Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So, guess what? What? We got a listener email. <gasps> oh my gosh, are you serious? Yes, it's yeah. from our old friend Annie. Oh, hi, Annie. She wrote in again. It starts, hi, beautiful ghouls. I just wanted to share my son's strange experience. Cool. We live in a rural area of central North Carolina. My youngest son has a motorcycle and usually rides every evening. A few nights ago, he left to go riding, and I didn't expect him back for a few hours. He was back in 15 minutes, so I asked what was wrong. He said he was riding down the road when he saw a huge shadow cross the road a little ways in front of him. I asked him if he was sure it wasn't just a shadow from his headlight, but he said no because of the way it moved. He also said that when he got to the area where it had passed, he could see things moving in the woods. (gasps) I asked him if he was sure it wasn't a deer, but he said they were too big. Uh, We do have bears here, but they're more like the size of big dogs. We find arrowheads in our yard often, so we know at one point American Indians lived in the area. Plus, the area was the site of fighting during the Revolutionary and Civil Wars. My son has no idea what he saw, but it really freaked him out, and he hasn't ridden in a few days. Thanks, Annie. Wow. That is creepy, because you know... Okay... You know when you're driving and you've got your headlights on, but you see something moving that is clearly not yeah. part of that? Yeah. That is freaky as shit. And I would have turned around, too. I would have, too. Especially on a motorcycle. You're so open. At night? Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. That's so yeah. scary. That's scary anyway. But oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That's cool. I know. Thank you so much, Annie, for Thank writing in. Thank you for writing to us. We really appreciate We're so it. so happy. Everyone write in. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> And I have a stupid joke before I get sad. Oh, no. (laughs) Brandy. I know. I'm probably going to be a real bummer tonight. (sighs) For the most part. Anyway, uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Little old lady. Little old lady who? I didn't know you could yodel. (laughs) I wish I would have recorded your face. What? What did it look like? It was just... I think that was probably... According to your face, that was the stupidest joke I've ever told. (laughs) (laughs) I cracked up when I heard that joke. So I had to say it. Well, it made me laugh. Okay, good. It was very stupid, but it made me laugh. It was stupid. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so... This week... Uh, we are recording on Friday, which is the 19th anniversary of 9-11. Oh, no. September 11, 2001. And we all know what happened on this day 19 yeah. years ago. So. Was it that long ago? 19 years. Oh, my gosh. 2001 was 19 years ago. Oh, my. I am. Oh. I know. I know. I feel so old. I know. Oh my gosh. Shit. So crazy. Um, so I have a, I have an article. I got it from, uh, she's actually from the Cox Media uh, Group National Content Desk. Her name's Debbie Lord. She wrote this actually yesterday. So September 10th. Um, 
and it's just a little bit about what happened and then I have some kind of facts that you may not know okay. about that day. So it starts when people who were in New York City on September 11, 2001 recall the day. They often remember it as a beautiful morning with a bright blue cloudless sky. No one imagined how that fall day would end as commercial airliners would drop from their the clear skies and straight into two of New York City's iconic skyscrapers filled with workers. Just over an hour and a half later, nearly 3,000 people had lost their lives in four attacks that terrorists initiated using planes hijacked from three different airports. Um, attacked that day by 19 hijackers were the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center complex in New York City and the Pentagon in Washington. The fourth attack played out in the skies over Pennsylvania as the plane believed to possibly be heading back to Washington to strike the Capitol building or the White House crashed into the ground as passengers mounted an attack on the terrorists who had taken over the plane. So millions watched on television that day when at 9.59 a.m. the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed 56 minutes after United Flight 175 flew into the building. The collapse lasted 10 seconds. More than 800 workers and first responders inside the building and some outside of it were killed in the collapse. At 10.28 a.m. the North Tower collapsed. It had been first the first to be hit at 8.46 by American Airlines Flight 11. More than 1,600 people were killed when that building fell. The Pentagon had been attacked by American Airlines Flight 77 just minutes before the South Tower went down, and United Airlines Flight 93 crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, five minutes after the South Tower fell. So I have a few things that you may not know about that day, and there's actually a lot of these, so with me. Uh, first one, in 102 minutes, 2,977 people were killed in the attacks in New York City, Washington, and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Of that number, 343 were New York City firefighters, 23 were New York City police officers, and 37 were officers at the New York uh, Port Authority. The age of the victims ranged from two years to 85 years old. Mm-hmm. 80% of the victims were men. Wow. Pre uh, President George W. Bush was not in Washington when the attacks occurred. He was in Sarasota, Florida, reading to school children when Andrew Card, his chief of staff, told him a plane had hit one of the World Trade Center towers. Minutes later, he whispered to Bush, quote, a second plane hit the second tower. America is under attack. Ugh. That gave me chills. Yeah, it did me too. Um... Next one, Bush was taken on a different route back to Washington, where at 9 p.m. he delivered a message to the country saying, quote, terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatters steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. Next one, Roselle, a guide dog, led her blind owner, Michael Hingson, down 78 floors of the North Tower, saving them both. Aww. Roselle was under Hingson's de desk when the tower was hit. Hingson credited the dog for getting him out and away from the building only minutes before it collapsed. Wow. The passengers and crew of Flight 93, along with the plane's hijackers, were killed when the aircraft flipped over and nosedived into a field outside Shanksville. It was estimated that the plane was fly flying at 500 miles per hour when it hit the ground. 
It is believed that the passengers of Flight 93 engaged in a final act of democracy before the plane crashed, holding a vote to decide if they would rush the cockpit and fight the hijackers to gain control of the plane. An open phone line on the plane heard the last words of Todd Beamer as he rallied the other passengers on the plane to start the attack by saying, let's roll. Oh, that's cool. Oh, my God. I got such chills. <laughs> They're fucking hero. Like, hero to the fullest. Oh, my God. Um, next one. Prior to the attack, five of the 9-11 hijackers stayed in a motel just outside the gates of the National Security Agency. Mm-hmm. On March 30th, 2002, six and a half months after the attack, a firefighter working at Ground Zero found a Bible with a piece of metal fused to it. The Bible was open to a verse in the Gospel of Matthew that reads, quote, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. I have no idea what I just said, but was that like we're supposed to forgive them or something? I'm not sure. Um, no. Yeah, no. Sorry, <laughs> we're Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> Next one. In the hours after the attacks, people claim they saw the face of Satan and the smoke forming coming from one of the cloud, uh, coming from one of the towers as it burned. Uh, next one, 18 people survived the clap- collapse of the buildings. They were in the underground plaza of the World Trade Center. The towers fell on top of them. Ooh. Next- I'd be so scared. Oh, my gosh. I, know. I couldn't he- imagine being in something like that. Well, I know. And I... That's what I do to myself. I stress myself out by watching crazy shit uh, on YouTube all the time. Yeah. And so, I, this whole week... I've been watching footage from New York City on that day, and I, I, I saw, I, you know, it was just this clip of people walking out from, from a building, and these two women were holding hands, and I was, I, like, for a split second, I was like, why are they holding hands? And I was like, they are scared for their fucking yeah. lives. Like, that is terrifying i couldn't i couldn't even begin i know to imagine going through something like that no no kitty she might fix the computer well i don't want her to mess it up i i thought about that what are you doing turd um okay next one three days after the attack bush visited visited ground zero visited visited hold on i need to oh okay i'll pause it Okay, visited. <laughs> Three days after the attack, Bush visited Ground Zero and, standing on a wrecked fire truck, used a bullhorn to speak to those working at the site. What he said became one of the most memorable quotes in his presidency. And you can watch this on YouTube. Um, just look up 9-11 President Bullhorn Speech and you can listen to it. It's, it's, it's good. It gave me chills, so. Mm, okay. Um, next one, when the buildings fell, they created 1.8 million tons of debris. It took 3.1 million hours of labor to remove it. Wow. Next one, soon after the buildings fell, the U.S. launched a worldwide search for the man who masterminded the attack, Osama bin Laden. He eluded those tracking him until May 2nd of 2011, when he was killed by U.S. Army Special Forces at a compound in Abbottabad. Pakistan. Okay. I swear that's what it said. <laughs> okay. 
It took 99 days to completely extinguish the fires from the collapse of the tower. Towers. 144 wedding rings were found in the debris at Ground Zero. No, kitty. Oops. <laughs> More than $100 million worth of art was lost in the collapse of the Twin Towers. The National Reconnaissance Office had planned a training exercise for 9 a.m. on September 11th. The agency was going to practice what they would do if an aircraft were to to crash into a building in Washington. What? Yeah. Have you ever heard conspiracy theories surrounding these? I, I know there are some. I haven't really gotten into. That was one of the big ones that... That seems kind of fishy. They had a lot of training exercises going on in New York City and Washington. Hmm. Suspiciously. Anyway, hmm. that's not what this one's about. Okay. <laughs> um, next one, it took five years to build the Twin Towers. It took 102 minutes from the first impact on the North Tower for them both to fall. It was decided not to leave the site empty after the attacks and the, and the cleanup. On November 3rd, 2014, One World Trade Center, a 1,776-foot skyscraper opened. Sitting next to the skyscraper is the National September 11th Memorial and Museum. Pools that are part of the memorial site feature the largest human-made waterfalls in North America. Okay. Sorry, Jody has a brand new kitten. and <laughs> She's very needy. Okay, uh, next one, also at the site, is the survivor tree. The tree, a Caleri pear tree, was at the site of the attacks on September 11th. It was damaged but was removed, nursed back to health, and replanted at the memorial site. As a result of the tax, the Homeland Security Act of 2002 was passed. The legislation created the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, for the first time, all commercial airplanes entering U.S. airspace were turned away within an hour after the attacks. Every commercial and private flight in the air over the United States was grounded by then as well. That is insane. Yeah, that's a lot. How they, yeah, crazy how they did that. And my last one, the continuity of government procedures, the protocol for protecting those in the highest level of government during national emergency was enacted for the first time in U.S. history that day. Wow. Those were my facts for the beginning. I got more stories about it later. Oh. (laughs) I did 20 people who performed autopsies reveal the creepiest thing they found inside a dead body. Holy shit! Fuck yeah! (laughs) (laughs) These are stories from Real Coroners on Ask Reddit. Okay, the first one. Spoke with a pathologist at a conference during her training at the medical examiner's office. They were doing an autopsy on a body that was found by a river. They did a CT and something looked funny about his gut. Oh God! When they opened his... uh, When they opened him up, his stomach moved. It was a snake that had burrowed inside his body. It struck and bit one of the techs before they realized what was going on. Shut. When you die? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. How? How do you even explain that to anyone? (laughs) I opened up a dead guy and got bit by a snake? (laughs) That is insane. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Number two, pennies. 
hundreds of pennies. Ew! Nearly $6 worth inside the skin all over the arms and legs. The deceased was a hermit, lived alone, ordered out for every meal. Apparently, he'd been surgically implanting pennies in his skin for years. No fucking clue why. Oh my gosh. I wonder if he thought it was like a protection thing or something. I don't know. Oh my god, six dollars? Six dollars. I wonder what that looked like. I wonder what his skin looked like. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. I don't see that. I don't. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Number three, my friend who does autopsies found Barbie doll heads in the intestines of a 21-year-old woman. What? Yes, Barbie dolls. Ken dolls. The weird part is she died from COPD. What? 21? Yeah. Weird. I know. I think there was some underlying shit going on. Oh, yeah. Something was definitely going on. (laughs) That's crazy. Number four, we had a guy who took a bullet to the back of his head, execution style, and after the x-rays determined the bullet was not in his head anymore, we couldn't find the exit wound anywhere. Once we took out the brain, we discovered it exited perfectly out of one of his nostrils, leaving (gasps) no trace of an external exit wound. What? Isn't that crazy? What are the odds of that? Holy shit. Yeah. That is insane. Um, Number five. My brother-in-law was in his early 60s and passed away from a heart attack. During his autopsy, it was noted he only had one kidney. He never had a kidney removed, and the only surgery he ever had was to have his appendix removed. And the mortician said that it was, in fact, removed and not just a birth defect. The appendix surgery happened when he was very young. Weird. So they decided to take his kidney while they were in there? What? That's weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's not cool. No. They probably take extra shit. They probably sold it. Made oh some my money. gosh. Number six. One of my friends does autopsies and he said that he found 24 screws in the large intestine of a 75-year-old woman. The weirdest part is she died of a heart attack while in the shower. There was no possible explanation other than she was suffering from pica. Pica? I don't know what that is. Hmm. Is that where people eat weird stuff? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Screws? Screws so weird there's people who eat like light bulbs and but I why i don't know they've got i don't know you are gonna mess something up i can tell <laughs> number seven an 88 year old grandma died of carbon monoxide poisoning during the during the autopsy we couldn't open the back of the cranium after much drilling we realized that her cranium was around <laughs> <laughs> Three to four centimeters thick all the way around, leaving her with the smallest brain on a grown woman I've ever seen. Holy she shit! She was fully functioning and never seemed affected by it in the slightest. I've never seen anything like it. So her her skull bone was really thick, and she had a teeny tiny brain, I guess. <laughs> oh my god! That's crazy! That's so weird. I'm so glad she probably never knew that. Yeah, exactly. I would feel so bad about myself. <laughs> it's like, I'm not stupid, really. <laughs> Size doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, 
Number eight, when I was a student, I saw an autopsy of a man who had hanged himself. When we checked the main arteries in his heart, he had a huge blockage. He was basically just about to have a huge heart attack, so probably would have died anyway. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's terrible. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't know. That's crazy. That's not good. <laughs> She's playing. She's very loud. She usually loses interest really quick. Okay. So she'll probably move on to something else here in a minute. <laughs> no, maybe not. See? Um, number nine. Back in the night. <laughs> Alright. Number nine. Back in the 90s, I worked for the company that was contracted to move bodies for the coroner. We picked up the body of a lady who had worked as a tailor in her youth. When we did the post-mortem, there were several dressmaking pins and needles under her skin, <gasps> mainly in her legs. Oh, God. There was also a pin lodged in her lung. <gasps> what? The coroner thought she must have inhaled it. She'd suffered a pulmonary embolism back in the 60s, which had forced her to retire. Maybe the pin was the cause of it. That doesn't sound good. Maybe the pin was the cause of it. <laughs> How she had, hadn't felt the pins or that none of them had been picked up on x-rays or scans she'd had in later life, I don't know. The cause of the death... The cause of death was a stroke. Crazy. Never heard of someone inhaling a pin. Mm. Well, you know, she probably had them in her mouth while she's, you know, yeah. doing her things. And maybe somehow she didn't know. Maybe it went down just right. Oh, God. I don't know. That's scary. Number 10, I worked as a pathology assistant. My boss once found a six-inch builder's nail in a chap's thigh. Oh. He died on site after an accident, but the nail was all healed over, even where it had nicked the bone, so it must have been there for a few years. What? Why wouldn't you get that out of there? I don't know. Wouldn't that hurt? Like, all you the time? You would think so. You'd think the end of it, the pointy end, would be like scraping something. Oh my gosh. Number 11, five years ago, in an autopsy I viewed, the patient was put down to have died from post-surgical complications from a colonostomy. Infection led to sepsis and ended with MOF. I don't know what that means. When they began the examination and looked, they found some surgical tweezers left behind, which was attributed to being the cause of the infection oh. because of how tucked away they were. I am unaware of what happened afterwards, but it was definitely referred higher. Holy shit. Left surgical tweezers behind? I think that happens more than Yeah, I think, think it does. That's so scary. Number 12, incidental finding of a toothpick lodged in the small intestine. Huh. Number 13, accessory spleens were super common, but one lady had 14 of them, but no actual spleen. Just 14 little blueberry-sized accessory spleens. So they forgot those too, it sounds like? I think a spleen is like in your body. That's one of your... But she didn't have a spleen. No, she had 14 little blueberry-sized ones. Oh, I, mis I misheard that. Yeah, That's accessory weird. spleens are super common. But one lady had 14 of them, but no actual spleen. Oh, I was thinking they were something different i guess <laughs> number 14 we are not doctors 
No. Number 14, elderly female with five very old tampons in her vaginal canal. Ew! Ew! I might throw up. That's disgusting. What? That is disgusting. Five? Very old. Oh, no! <laughs> How can that not smell? It did. It did. It won. Five of that very old. No. That's that so is gross. No. Wouldn't you be a little curious? <laughs> it had to have, like, itched or hurt or something. Five of. I just. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she had to have known something was going on. Had to. That's weird. Number 15, Buddy told me he found a pair of dentures in someone's thigh. Didn't say a word to anyone about it for a couple of years either. What? Dentures. How the hell do you get dentures in your thigh? I am so confused. That is insane. What? Where? I don't know. Part of me is just thinking that they, like, bit on the outside. That's what I picture. How? I mean... How would that happen? They're they're huge for one. I know. I am so confused. That is crazy. Sixteen. Guy called his ex-wife, told her he was ending it all, had a gun, drove out to the middle of nowhere, and died of a heart attack. We couldn't believe it either. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, well, you're gonna do it anyway. Let's do it this way. <laughs> God was like, um, this is my terms, not yours. <laughs> How dare you? 17, an old shut-in died from natural causes, and his body was found a few weeks after he passed. During the autopsy, the coroner found what appeared to be thin copper wire running the length of the decedent's arms, legs, and torso. It was embedded under the skin with a single point or outlet emerging at the base of the neck. Holy shit. The man had no family, so no one had a clue how the wires got there or why. Sounds like he did that, right? How would he do it from the back of his neck? Oh my god, I don't know. There's no way that you could reach it and do that. Someone had to have done it to him. Oh my god. What is he, like Wolverine? I don't know. Weird. Apparently not, because he died. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 18, saw photos of a young guy who had died at home, and his pet fox then ate part of his face. <gasps> Ew! Oh. Okay, why would you have a pet fox? I don't know. That's I not mean, it doesn't idea. matter. I mean, if you had a cat, or probably even a dog, they would probably eat you anyway. Yeah, but. they go for a soft tissue first. Yeah. <laughs> Number 19, while completing the post-autopsy repair for a gentleman, I found a plastic ladle tucked under the ribs. What? It was probably left by some poor autopsy technician who got yelled at for losing the good ladle. Ew. Okay. When I think of ladle, I think of a soup ladle. Yeah. I don't know what a, a ladle for autopsy is. Looked, Maybe looked it's like. a soup ladle. I don't know. They have to scoop out. Ew. Okay. <laughs> Number 20. <laughs> I was once in a mental health facility for only a short amount of time, and I met a woman whose daughter passed away from a drug overdose and had been upset at her for selling her grandmother's necklace for what she thought was drugs. But when the autopsy came back, it was found in her stomach. Oh, God. That's all I got. All right. That was crazy. (laughs) 
So I'm going back to September 11th, Yay. 2001. <laughs> um, these are actually people who avoided the terrorist attacks and survived. Okay. So the first few are celebrities that were supposed to be involved somehow and um, avoided it. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson could have been one among the dead if it wasn't for his mom. The singer had been due to attend a meeting at the top of one of the skyscrapers that very morning, but overslept after staying up late to talk to his mom, Catherine, and his sister, Rebby. Thankfully, none of us had a clue that Michael was due at the meeting that morning at the top of one of the Twin Towers, Jermaine Jackson wrote in his biography, You're Not Alone, uh, Michael Through a Brother's Eyes. We only discovered this when Mother phoned his hotel to make sure he was okay. She, Rebby, and a few others had left him there around 3 a.m. Quote, Mother, I'm okay thanks to you, he told her. You kept me talking up so late that I overslept and missed my appointment. Hmm. Interesting. Um, next one is Mark Wahlberg. He was supposed to be on the plane that crashed into the North Tower. Wow. The Boston-born actor was scheduled to fly on America Airlines Flight 11 from his home city to Los Angeles, but at the last minute, he and his friends had a change of heart and instead chartered a plane to a film festival in Toronto, Canada. Hmm. Next one, Seth MacFarlane. Narrowly missed his flight. Family Guy creator Seth was also due to catch the same flight as Wahlberg, but arrived late due to a hangover and a mix-up <laughs> with his booking. His travel agent incorrectly told him that the 7.45 a.m. flight was due to leave at 8.15 a.m., but when he arrived, boarding was already closed. Uh, quote, I was booked on that flight, and I was drinking the night before and hungover, and I missed the plane by about 10 minutes. It was a very close call for me, he says. He was forced to wait for the next flight, and an hour later, Flight 11 struck the North Tower, killing everyone on board. And this is this is actually Gwyneth Paltrow's story, but it's um, Laura Lundstrom Clark had been rollerblading along the Hudson River when she crossed the road. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> well, see, any other time, she would totally ignore it. <laughs> hey, stop it. Laura Nunstrom Clark had been rollerblading along the Hudson River when she crossed over the road and jaywalked in front of Gwyneth Paltrow's silver Mercedes SUV. Starstruck, she stopped to stare before moving out of the way, and that small delay caused Laura to miss her trade to the World Trade Center. Mm. Instead of being sat at her desk on the 77th floor of the South Tower, <laughs> she was just getting off the train when she saw the plane crash into the North Tower. And ten years later, Laura got back in touch with Gwyneth, who admits the encounter still gives her chills. Mm -hmm. Quote, I, I can't quite believe how many other people changed the course of strangers' lives that day, she said. Next one, Sarah Ferguson was supposed to be on the 101st floor when the terror struck. The Duchess of York's charity, Chances for Children, was located on the 101st floor of the North Tower, and she was due to be there that morning. But her interview with Matt Lauer at a nearby NBC studio ran late and saved her life. While none of her staff died in the tragedy, 700 workers from the financial firm Cantor Fitzgerald, which let them use part of their office space for free, perished. Hmm. Rob Lowe unwittingly flew with the terrorists. 
The actor was caught up in a dummy run for the attacks just 11 days before the real thing. Nothing seemed unusual or suspicious when he caught his usual flight from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles after filming The West Wing, but he later, later discovered that he f he'd flown alongside the terrorist and was called to give evidence against one of the attackers. That's scary. <clears throat> yeah. And my next few are just regular people who avoided the attacks. Brenda Christensen, a Southern California resident at the time, never missed her annual media tour, a week-long string of appointments held with clients, editors, and reporters at the Twin Towers in Manhattan for her public relations business, except for the one on September 2001. Uh, quote, every single year I was in New York City for work in the fall. My first appointment was always in the Twin Towers to meet with Wall Street Journal reporter for breakfast at 10 a.m. sharp. Uh, however, the one year... I decided to go on vacation instead was 2001. Instead of being in downtown Manhattan that year, Christensen spent that night in a hotel in New Orleans for an overnight en route to meet her sister-in-law in Jamaica. Quote, I woke up in the French Quarter to the horrific news, not knowing if any of my colleagues and staff were decimated as they were near the towers in lower Manhattan. Luckily, they weren't. I felt like I had missed a lightning bolt. So one year she decides not to go. It's crazy. One her time. Yeah, she wasn't supposed to be there, I guess. Uh, next one, James Stafurek, CFA, had a morning routine in 2001 that took him to the Trade Center on his way to work. Quote, my morning commute involved taking the subway from 14th Street to 7th Avenue into the Trade Center, taking those giant escalators up to the ground floor, grabbing a coffee and paper at one of the newsstands, then walking outside through the big glass doors that a homeless man would open for commuter, commuters every morning in the hope of a tip. I'd then walk about a block to my office to the Trinity Building. He continues, quote, At the time, I was involved in trading stocks, which typically required me to be in the office before 9 a.m. for calls with associates. I knew that morning of September 11th, I had an unusually slow cal calendar. Still, even on slow days, I was usually in by 9 or 9.15, but for whatever reason, I took my sweet time getting in that morning, and I was running about 20 minutes behind schedule. When I turned on the TV, I saw what was happening. My apartment had a rooftop deck with views to the Trade Center, so I immediately walked up the stairs and gazed southward down 6th Avenue. I stayed there and eventually watched the two buildings collapse, which is, needless to say, an, Im an image I can't forget. If I had taken the subway down at my normal time around 8.30, I may not have been so lucky. Subway cars were stopped for and stuck getting into the tower after the first plane hit. Today, I'm married with four beautiful kids in Florida. That's crazy. Yeah. Just happen. I mean, both of those just mm -hmm. happen to make that decision that day or that year. Uh, next one, Crystal T Brown Tatum, CEO and president of Crystal Clear Communications, says it was her decision to end a relationship that may have saved her life. Quote, in 2001, I was engaged to be married and planned to relocate to New York City in June. I had a job offer at Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, working in, the twin, in twin Tower 2. Unfortunately, I discovered some things that caused me to call off the wedding and subsequently move. When 9-11 happened, I was numb because I would have been working in World Trade Tower 2 on that Tuesday. Going through a broken uh, engagement was painful, but it was a twist of fate that possibly saved my life. New York City wasn't the only place in America targeted that day. So was the Washington, D.C. area. I don't know why that was in there. Hmm. 
Um, next one, on September 10th, 2001, George Keith drove his brand new BMW through Central Park when the vehicle shifted into first gear unexpectedly. He had made an appointment at the dealership for 7 the following morning with hopes of making it to an 8 a.m. meeting in downtown Manhattan. Keith tells Reader's Digest that what happened next was one con- inconvenience he will never complain about. Quote, I got to the BMW dealership at 7, but the mechanics refused to work before 8, so I waited for an hour for a three-minute repair. I left the shop and raced down to the expressway to get to my meeting on the 73rd floor of Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. I was sitting on the expressway in traffic when I saw smoke coming out of the top of the first tower that was hit and turned on the radio to hear that a small plane had crashed into it. At that point, I glanced behind me at the Hudson River and saw a jet flying lower than I'd ever seen. I couldn't take my eyes off it, and it smashed into the second tower. The fireball was enormous. I'd never seen anything like it. I knew it was a terror attack at that point, he adds. I'm fortunate my car broke down. Many people I know didn't make it. It's still an emotional thing. Next one, Greer Epstein. At the time, an executive director director at Morgan Stanley in the second tower recalls, quote, I arrived at 7.30 a.m., checked my email, met with staff members, and had uh, visited the cafeteria on the 43rd floor for my morning coffee and bagel. At 8.40, I I received a call from a co-worker who suggested we prep for a later meeting over a cigarette. I grabbed my cigarette case and headed for the elevator, recalls Epstein. The elevator car jumped and bounced as we reached the ground floor. I remember thinking, I'm not taking that car again. As she exited and made a note of the car number, I turned towards the revolving doors to the street. Through the plate glass windows, I saw people ducking, flaming paper raining down, and a man cowering next to a planter with a briefcase over his head. As I turned toward the revolving door, I noticed that so many people were jammed into it that it couldn't turn. I remember looking up and seeing a huge hole in the side of the first tower. I heard someone say a plane had hit the building. We watched for a while and saw people holding onto the outside of windows way up on the building. Then they were just letting go, falling all that way. Ugh. As I stood and watched, I saw a plane coming to the, from the south and flying right toward the second tower. Epstein and her co-worker witnessed the jet hurtle into the second tower as well as the building's horrifying collapse and ran to the safety of a nearby doorway while a cloud of dust threatened to take over them. Quote, it felt like the world was ending. Next one, Laura Sornikoff Gelman rode the Port Authority subway train through the World Trade Center station on her commute each morning. That was before she was laid off Friday, September 7th, 2001. I would have been there if I weren't laid off for four, day, four days before, and as it happens, I had planned to go to the unemployment office next to the World Trade Center that morning, but I was waiting till re- uh, after rush hour, so I never got on the train that day. And my last one, for Holly Winter, September 11, 2001 was going to be a day of blissful reunion for her, co- for her and her college friends, but her mother's intuition saved her life. Winter, who lived in Denver at the time, Uh, retells, quote, I was supposed to be at the Twin Towers on September 11th with my two best friends from college who lived in Chicago and New York City. Because the New York City-based friend worked nonstop, Winter and her other friend coordinated their calendars for a surprise breakfast picnic on September 11th in New York City at his office in the original One World Trade Center. It was the only date that worked for both of us. Our plan was to fly in the city the night before, then show up at his office at 8 a.m. with breakfast of champagne and caviar, his favorites. 
She continued, I called my mom who lived upstate New York and let her know I was coming to town, and she told me she would be coming to visit me instead. I begged her to change her trip, reminding her that she was retired so her schedule was more flexible. She refused, saying it felt like the right time to visit. Winter canceled her trip with her friends. My Chicago friend decided to make the trip without me. The surprise worked as planned, and they called me at 8 a.m., and we laughed and talked for a while. I hung up so they could enjoy the visit without keeping me on the phone. I lost them both. Hmm. Those were mine. Thanks. (laughs) It was so sad. The things that, because, you know, like I said, I listen to a lot. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of things on YouTube about it, a lot of raw footage, all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. the survive or the people who escaped the building the like the things that they saw it it's horrifying it's beyond horrifying i couldn't imagine no i mean even i mean you can look it up i won't go into it it's just depressing but just the this one i'll just say one this one woman was escaping the building you know she was making it out and she just happened to look over into like this the you know the area where all all the death was and she said that she saw two it was a man and a woman embracing with a like a pole through them both oh my gosh and that i mean that that doesn't even touch yeah you know i mean and you know a lot of according like i said i listened to podcasts with people who were there and they just i understandably they just don't want to talk about it well yeah they don't they don't ever want to talk about and i you know i understand that but it's you know because today is the anniversary so i knew it was coming up and i was thinking because you know how on um my favorite murder they talk about you know what's the murder that got you into Mm, true crime and you know like got you interested and september 11th was mine oh was it it was and you know because i was always like i don't have one of those you know i've always been a little interested like cold case files and Mm -hmm. dateline and stuff like that but I realized this week, basically, that 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 was the thing that got me, like, solidified in true crime, Mm. like, wanting to know more why this happened, how this happened, how do you survive after something, Mm -hmm. like, witnessing something like that, and just, it's horrifying and fascinating, and just, I think I took it personally you know as an american i think a lot of people took it personally it's like you're attacking innocent people innocent people that were just going to work yeah and you know these are or innocent people that were just flying to uh, yeah wherever probably trying to get home yeah you know i and mm. well what it does it pisses you off exactly yeah and i i just i can't I just can't wrap my head around it. You know, it's just, and you know, I'm, I wasn't even directly affected. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine no way mm-hmm. being directly affected by that. And so, yeah. So yeah, I had to take this opportunity because I, you know, I was like, I'm watching all this stuff anyway. I might as well just talk about it on yeah. the podcast. And today is the day. So yeah. I, I had to bring it up. Alrighty. <laughs> well, we need some, we need, <laughs> we need some witty wrap up. Definitely. Yeah. I just have funny jokes. Okay. Teacher. Kids, what does the chicken give you? Student. Meat. Teacher. Very good. Now what does the pig give you? Student. Bacon. Teacher. Great. And what does the fat cow give you? Student. Homework. Oh! (laughs) Oh! That blew up in her face. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that's bad. I would slap that kid. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> you get a big ol' F. How about that? My friend thinks he is smart. He told me an onion is the only food that makes you cry. So I threw a coconut at his face. I bet he's crying now. <laughs> that's stupid. What did the duck say when he bought lipstick? What? Put it on my bill. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Put it on my bill. <laughs> in a Catholic school cafeteria, a nun places a note in front of a pile of apples. Only take one. God is watching. Further down the line is a pile of cookies. A little boy makes his own note. Take all you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> instead of the john i call my toilet the gym that way it sounds better when i say i go to the gym first thing every morning (laughs) that's fabulous (laughs) that's my toilet's new name yeah that's good (laughs) math teacher if i have five bottles in one hand and six in the other what do i have student a drinking problem (laughs) Faux show. (laughs) A police officer attempts to stop a car for speeding, and the guy gradually increases his speed until he's topping 100 miles per hour. The man eventually realizes he can't escape and finally pulls over. The cop approaches the car and says, It's been a long day and my shift is almost over, so if you can give me a good excuse for your behavior, I'll let you go. The guy thinks a few seconds and then says, My wife ran away with a cop about a week ago. I thought you might be that officer trying to give her back. (laughs) Asshole. (laughs) Brunette. Where were you born? Blonde. The United States. Brunette. Which part? Blonde. My whole body. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Why did the fish blush? Why? Because it saw the ocean's bottom. (laughs) Oh my god. See, I could do stupid jokes too. I can see. (laughs) Did you hear about the guy whose whole left side was cut off? He's all right now. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. He's all right. Now. <laughs> <This is stupid. laughs> a man went to his lawyer and told him, "My neighbor owes me five hundred dollars, and he won't pay up. What should I do? Do you have any proof he owes you the money?" Asked the lawyer. "Nope," replied the man. "Okay, then write him a letter asking him for the five thousand dollars he owes you," said the lawyer. "But it's only five hundred," replied the man. Precisely. That's what he will reply, and then you'll have your proof. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Mahatma Gandhi often walked barefoot, which produced an impressive set of calluses on his feet. He also ate very little, making him rather frail, and with his odd diet, he often suffered from bad breath. This made him a super calloused, fragile, mystic hexed with halitosis. Oh my god. (laughs) That is so stupid. <laughs> Super callous, fragile, mystic hexed with alatosis. That's hard to say. <laughs> I bet. Teacher, anyone who thinks he's stupid may stand up. 
Nobody stands up. Teacher. I'm sure there are some stupid students over here. Little Johnny stands up. Teacher. Oh, Johnny, you think you're stupid? Little Johnny. No, I just feel bad that you're standing alone. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Knock, knock. Who's there? I eat mop. I eat mop poo. Ha, you said I eat mop poo. (laughs) Okay, I quit. I quit the podcast. (laughs) Oh my god. I did not say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh my god <sighs> Tom was at the hospital visiting with his best friend Larry who was dying Tom asked if there is a baseball in heaven will you come back and tell me oh if there is baseball in heaven will you come back and tell me Larry nodded yes just as he passed away that night while Tom was sleeping he heard Larry's voice in a dream Tom? Larry! What is it? asked Tom. I have good news and bad news from heaven. What's the good news? There is baseball in heaven, after all. But the bad news is you're pitching on Tuesday. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) That's not good. No. (laughs) Um. What does a nosy pepper do? What? It gets jalapeno business. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. Okay, that's all I got. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook, like the page, and join the group. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.